Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Yay, it's snowing. It's so beautiful. Yes, it is. Good to be alive. It is. It's good to be alive. And it is snowing and it is beautiful. Thank you, Baby Winter, for that update. And we yep. are taking updates from you this is what we do here at CCO. We try to keep each other safe and informed. You can text or call at 651-461-9226. Tell us what it is looking like outside your snow globe today. Uh, what's it like in the yard? What's it like with the shoveling on the roads? Uh, a public service here. Yes, of course, we have Paul, who is the expert, but you are our eyes and ears. You are our good neighbors. So text or call at 651-461-WCCO, and we will share your snow story today. So I'm pro-snow, sure, I am. Sure. And I grumble, I mumble. You have to be. Uh, just as much as the next guy when I'm stuck in traffic and it's because of weather. But that said, and I wrote this in the Star Tribune for tomorrow for the weather column, I said, snow is crystalline magic, a crunchy carpet of white, nature's do-over, water swept up into a frozen time capsule. And uh, I don't know. It's democratic, too, right? I mean, mm. Old Man Winter doesn't care where you live, how much money you make, none of that. But everybody gets treated the same way. It's free, and it's moisture that we need. We're still in a drought, so I'm not going to complain. Mm -hmm. I know today was tough on the highways. I know that. But um, I'm hoping there's water, sufficient water in our lakes, sufficient water on our fields, for farmers here coming up in a couple of months i'm i'm worried about the drought that we had last year spilling into this year but it's just it's frozen water folks it's not radioactive steam it's not volcanic <laughs> ash you know it's not an earthquake it's not a tsunami a tidal wave it's frozen water and the problem is it. we make all these plans right and the weather gets in the way Mm -hmm. Now, with more people working from home, maybe it isn't quite as big a deal as it was two years ago, but it's still a big deal for everybody who has to physically get around. I get that. But it's uh, pretty much over now. Half a foot of snow in Burnsville. Fox 9 meteorologist Cody Matz was out there. I saw this on Twitter. Uh, he, he showed photographic evidence of him with a ruler measuring the snow in his yard. To be accurate, you have to measure three places and then average it because there may be some blowing and drifting and, you know, mm -hmm. that would create some irregularities. But, you know, Doppler is great. It shows us what's happening now. It doesn't tell us how much snow fell. So we still rely mm -hmm. on people, observers. 
And uh, that's why we could sure use your help. If you've got some snowfall reports, don't be shy. Text us, call us, 651-461-9226. Jor, how much, were you out there with a, a ruler today or a yardstick measuring? I did not leave the house. Spots? No, I did what? not leave the house. But, oh, you know, I'm on, the, I'm on the border of Minneapolis and St. Louis Park, and I'm, I'm going to go with at least six inches, you know, five inches maybe, uh, that fell in the backyard. It's uh, enough to make the dog get lost. When she goes out there. And, and by the way, there is a snow emergency uh, in my city, the city of St. Louis Park and the city of Minneapolis. So be careful with your parking. Be careful with your being on the roads. It is uh, time to get home. Paul, when when is it going to stop in the metro? Can you can you tell that? Yeah, it's it's pretty much it's just flurries. I, I don't expect any more accumulation uh, this evening. Uh, it's pretty much done. And skies will clear. Could be another half inch or inch mm-hmm. on Thursday. I don't see any storms next week. I do see a Pacific breeze next week with consistent 30. So if you're like DJ and you adore snow, this is perfect snow, by the way. This is what you would it is. get. It's great snowboarding snow. Deer Valley or Vail. I mean, it does not get better than it is right now. Soak it up the next few days, I'd say by... Saturday and Sunday, the snow should still be really good. But later next week, with consistent highs above freezing, it's going to get a little mushy out there. And, uh, yeah, March will come in like a lamb. That's my prediction. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take a little departure for this next story. Because when I read this in the Times last night, I thought to myself, what is happening? This This is a farming story. It's not a snow story. And maybe the farmers are taking a little break now that they have some snow here chilling out in the winter. But Um, We're going to delve into this in the next uh, half hour. Black farmers that were promised debt relief are getting foreclosure notices. Lawsuits from other farmers have blocked $4 billion of pandemic aid that was allocated to black farmers. This is a group that has endured decades of discrimination from banks and federal government. And um, the USDA has admitted to this, that there were deceptive lending practices, that black farmers did not get access to loans and land grants. Um, now their courts in Wisconsin and Florida are siding with the plaintiffs who argue that this debt relief that was promised to black farmers amounts to discrimination. There is a class action lawsuit against the Agriculture Department that's proceeding in Texas now. And this all happened when uh, minority, a group of uh, minority farmers, or they call them socially impacted, socially disadvantaged farmers, that is a governmental term, it is not mine, were getting behind on low payments, and they were facing foreclosure. And through the COVID Relief Act, they were going to be granted this $4 billion to then pay off the loans. And now this lawsuit by other farmers is blocking that aid. So what the heck is going on here? Why were these farmers not given the aid that they were promised? Why are other farmers suing them? We're going to delve a little bit into this story, and we're going to speak with John Boyd, who is the president and founder of the National Black Farmers Association. We're going to talk about this debt and possible foreclosure on many farmers uh, who have been hit hard by COVID and even before that by unfair lending practices. That's up next on CCO. On January 27th, the USDA announced an immediate moratorium on debt collection and foreclosure for more than 12,000 farmers who were behind in payments. 
This was a program administered by the USDA's Farm Service Agency. It served about a quarter of these 12,000 farmers were black, or as the federal government likes to call them, socially disadvantaged. Okay? So this program was to provide direct relief payments to help socially disadvantaged farmers pay off loan debts. It was eventually incorporated into the $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill. And these farmers have been waiting on their payments. And they haven't gotten them yet. There is a lawsuit against them getting this by other farmers. Groups representing these other farmers have stymied these payments. And now these socially disadvantaged farmers could lose everything. I'm fascinated by this story. How did we get here? How did this happen? Why are one group of farmers suing another group of farmers? Well, we wanted to get some answers. Joining us now is John Boyd. John is the president and founder of the National Black Farmers Association, and he is quite familiar with this story. John, we're so happy to have you on the show. Thank you for coming. Thank you very much for having me. John, I want to give everybody a little history because I think people are confused as to why a group of white farmers would be suing a group of black farmers. It seems that they should all be on the same side. Can you give us a little bit of history of of black farmers and how they have been historically not on the same playing field when it comes to government spending, when it comes to land opportunities than other farmers in the country? Absolutely. And and, uh, at at the turn of the century, uh, black farmers uh, represented uh, one in 14. Uh, We were one million black farm families strong in in the United States. Uh, Today, we're down to 50,000. We were tilling uh, 20 million acres of land uh, at the turn of the century, and we're down to about four and a half uh, million acres of land. And quite frankly, a lot of it stemmed from the uh, the land law, stemmed from the United States Department of Agriculture and uh, unfair le- lending practices, uh, uh, discrimination where they discriminated against uh, black farmers. In my uh, home county, Mecklenburg County, Virginia, uh, the county supervisor, the person making loans, would only see uh, black farmers on Wednesday. We named it Black Wednesday. Uh, when they came out and investigated him, they asked him, did he have a problem making uh, loans to black farmers? He said yes. He thought that they were lazy and looked for uh, a paycheck on Friday. Uh, this man uh, referred to me in racial epithets. Uh, he spat on me, uh, tore my application up in the trash can. This is uh, some, the type of discrimination that led to a lot of land loss for black farmers from the Virginia Delmarva line all the way down to the southeastern corridor mm-hmm. of the United States. And uh, I sought out to uh, remedy that to to, to uh, mm-hmm. for discrimination. One was successful in 1999. Uh, they paid uh, $1 billion to uh, mm-hmm. black farmers. And 83,000 black farmers came after the filing deadline or missed the deadline. And it took 10 years to reopen that uh, Claims Remedy Act of 2010, signed into law by former President Barack Obama. During this whole time period, I was also trying to get injunctive relief that would include debt relief that you just spoke about. We never got debt relief, and I, one of the complaints where I turned to Congress, and in the 2016 uh, Farm Bill, 
they, they had the language in there. We stripped out in, in Congress when the House and Senate comes together, and they stripped the language. And I was able to, myself and others, with the help of uh, Corey, Senator Cory Booker and Senator Ralph Warnock, get the language in the COVID relief uh, bill. And the debt relief includes uh, direct loans and guaranteed loans for farmers of color, black, Hispanic, Native American, and, and Asian, with the ethnic groups. Uh, and you referenced the numbers, is, I think it's about 14,000 uh, farmers of color that would be eligible to receive debt relief. So during the time black farmers were receiving farm foreclosure letters under 1951 assets, which is loan servicing for the government for USDA, White farmers were being offered debt, debt relief, debt right down, loan reambization, all of these options under 1951S. Black farmers were issued a uh, uh, loan acceleration letter that said they had to pay all of their money within, within 30 days. So white farmers uh, in their lawsuits against us for the $5 billion that we were able to get in the COVID relief bill uh, last March with, with those two senators' help, immediately went to court and filed 12 separate complaints uh, hmm. in the state of uh, Florida and the state of uh, Texas which issued uh, temporary injunctions that would stop the uh, $4 billion direct uh, uh, payments to farmers of color. And, uh, you know, I would like to say this to you know, especially white farmers who are listening, my 39-year career of doing this type of work, I've never sued white farmers saying that uh, something that would help them uh, 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 to deny payments to white farmers. Uh, they till the soil just like me. And if they qualify for those uh, payments and, and help, they should get it. And I should get it too. In the top 10% in the U.S. Farm uh, Subsidy Program, $1 million per farmer goes out to white male farmers, predominantly in this country. The average subsidy to a black farmer is $200. Uh, 387 days to process a black farm loan re- request less than 30 days to process a white farm loan request. But never once did the white farmers pick up the phone and say, hey, board, we got a problem with you guys getting debt relief. I've been asking for debt relief for over three decades. So it's not a new loan program that excludes white farmers. They didn't have a problem with it the whole time I was advocating for it. They only had a problem with it when it became reality. Uh, So that's that's where we are. There's supposed to be a meeting uh, with President uh, Biden uh, to talk about uh, next steps. Uh, and uh, we're hopeful that that meeting will happen sometime during Black History Month with maybe only a few days left here. Hey, John, this is uh, this is Paul Douglas. Thanks for coming on today. And, and again, I find it ironic. It's Black History Month. And the history... Uh, of agriculture in this country is is staggering a 96 percent decline in the number of black run farms in this country in the last hundred years 96 percent uh so my question um and you address this senator warnock from uh georgia introduced this emergency relief for farmers of color act which would uh, provide direct relief payments to yes. socially disadvantaged farmers to pay off their debts. But now it's it's tied up in the courts, right? Uh, there are lawsuits from white farmers, yes. uh, specifically what, Wisconsin and Florida, preliminary injunctions. So now it's in the hands yes. of lawyers in the courts, right? Yes, it is. 
Yes, it is. It's definitely in the hands of uh, the courts. And they pick very conservative judges. I mean, they're very organized in filing these uh, uh, cases in these courts. And they've done it very quickly. And I, I believe that USDA had enough time to get the uh, uh, direct payments out, the $4 billion to uh, the farmers of color. It, it took the government uh, too long. And what I would like to also add, uh, you know, when USDA was foreclosing on black farmers, it was white farmers that were buying the farms, you know, through the county committee. Yes. Uh, so it's always been, uh, you know, a very one-sided uh, uh, playing field. You know, 99% of the county committee, uh, you know, uh, a white man. And as I said earlier, I have nothing against white farmers in this country. Uh, if they uh, Farming is the absolute hardest occupation known to man. It, it, it never yep. ends. It's very, very difficult work. And they go out there and they do a good job at it. What I am saying is we simply need the same ads with a period after it. It shouldn't be different for me uh, because uh, the USDA looks at black farmers differently. Uh, PepsiCo, uh, for example, just pulled the rug from under our feet after a two-year negotiating for a potato contract. They came back in January and said, you know what, we're not going to do any potato contract with black farmers. We're going in a total different uh, direction. All the contracts with uh, PepsiCo or white male farmers, we simply want the same as we want the same uh, contract that white farmers are getting. Not a word different at PepsiCo. It's always been an uphill battle, and the media continues to they kind of brush over it. You know, they say, "Well, these things happen," and you know, I read all of the comments. You know, from you know white farmers and in white America. You know, why why should black farmers get anything and this, that, and third? We're not getting anything. Uh, we, we haven't gotten a, a whole lot of help from, from USDA. What we are saying is we want fair and equitable uh, a treatment from the United States Department of Agriculture and these Fortune 500 companies uh, like John Deere, who, who says, uh, you know what, there are other farmers I got a service board before I can get to you. They don't even know how that sounds to a farmer who's out there sweating and hot and cold and all this stuff. If I call John Deere and ask for servicing and I'm the next in line, come service me. Don't say I got to keep other farmers going and then I get to you last. That's, mm. the, that's the kind of discrimination that we're facing out here, people. It's unregulated and there's no uh, particular somebody that's, that's overseeing all of this stuff. Hey, John, this is not a problem of the past. Obviously, the the amount of discrimination maybe isn't possible to quantify because, you know, no one no one comes out and say, yes, I'm racist. That's why I didn't choose to lend to you. Right. But we do know that according to the last um, agriculture census, black farmers receive about fifty nine million dollars in government payments, while white, far white farmers receive nine billion. And just per capita, yes. that means uh, the black farmers are getting about twelve hundred dollars for every $2,700 that white farmers get. And I'm glad you're, you're talking to us today, and thank you for coming on and shining a light on yes. this. What, yes. what can be, I mean, this lawsuit hopefully will be stopped and you guys will get the debt relief before your farms, God forbid, can be foreclosed on. But what can we do? What can a regular, I'm a regular a urban things, yes. white person, how can I help? There's a couple of things people can do. One, they can um, make a donation to the National Black Farmers Association. We have filing all of these cases. We had to file our amicus briefs, and we did in all 12, all 12 cases. The National Black Farmers Association, Association of American Indian Farmers, both filed amicus briefs, and they were accepted by all of the courts. 
uh, 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 describing the history that I just laid out for you from from slavery to sharecroppers and surviving Jim Crow and all these statistics are laid out in our amicus brief. We need people to support us. We need financial support. We need for the persons who are listening that manage these accounts for these Fortune 500 companies to make some some real donations. Uh, the persons who are filing these cases, they they have a long checkbook, and and we're we're just scratching the surface to defend ourselves here. And that's uh, it was something that was uh, caught we were caught by surprise uh, uh, about the amount of of uh, complaints from the white farmers. I'll be honest with you, and it kind of hurts people, and uh, people need to understand this, man. We've been out here a long time. We, we've been uh, mistreated. And, you know, my phone didn't ring and say, hey, boy, uh, you know, I heard about the guy spatting on you and doing all this stuff to you, man, and I don't like what happened to you. My phone didn't ring for many white farmers to say that. Uh, and and, and now that's what America is. We need racial healing in this country. And for anybody who don't understand that America is divided, they are a lost ball in high weeds. I'm sorry. And if you, you ride through rural America, you can see, the Trump flag flying high over the United States flag and and all you can feel the hate and the division in this country. And I believe that love is always greater than hate. Forgiveness and redemption is always greater than hate. That's what we need in this country. And if white farmers got a problem, why can't we sit down at the table and talk about this like grown men? Uh, there's some sort of way that they can help at, at USDA instead of calling Bill Sack and say, we don't want this. Let's have let's have a meeting and and, and talk about this and, and talk about the decisions, the, the the differences. And uh, you know we had the, the the banks who came out and spoke out against us receiving the debt relief too. They wrote to the president and Congress saying that this is going to harm uh, harm the be harmful to the banks. Uh, so my question is, how can this little bit of money? And I'm getting I'm I'm speaking layman terms here, uh, as we say in the country, this little bit of money. I uh, hurt all of these people all of a sudden uh, when when we weren't getting any of the help in the first place. Uh, so we you, you got to take all these things into consideration, people. John Boyd, president and founder of the National Black Farmers Association. John, we're with you. We will be following the story. We will be sharing the story, and and we will be doing what we can. Thank you for coming on and explaining this to us. Thank you, John. Thank you. Good Thank luck. you very much for both of you for, for having me tonight. Wish you the best. You bet. We appreciate you. I I need to take a breath because I, I feel sick about what he was sharing with us today. They want they want equity, right? I mean, equality, yes. not something extra, but just to be on the yep. level playing field Same for page. all farmers who get loans and loan forgiveness. Level playing field. Same page. I, same page. Thank you for um, th- th- thank you for listening to that and uh, hearing John out. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be back on CCO. Paul and Jor and DJ and that was a uh, th- that interview. It just made me sad. We still mm-hmm. we like to pat ourselves on the back how far we've come and and we have come a ways. But man, we still have a ways to go. Not far just, enough. Liberty and justice for all, just fairness, level playing. And we'll be keeping you posted on that lawsuit. You know, that lawsuit is ongoing and um, was shocking when I read about it. So we'll we'll keep an eye on it. Thanks, Paul. So COVID hasn't gone away. Uh, 78 million (laughs) Americans have reported COVID. Those are just the ones who reported that they had it. Who knows how many really had it? 78 million. 
935,000 deaths. And I, I couldn't help but be interested. Some doctors now are comparing COVID with smoking. Yes, hmm. we have to get back with our lives. Yes, we have to learn to live with COVID. Hmm. But here, follow along. The new normal, they argue, the new normal arrives when we acknowledge that COVID's risks have become more in line with those of smoking cigarettes and that many COVID deaths, like many smoking-related deaths, can be prevented with a single intervention. In the case of smoking, it's, you know, switching over to gum or vaping or whatever, just weaning yourself off off cigarettes. Choosing not to get vaccinated against COVID is right now a modifiable health risk on par with smoking. By the way, smoking kills about 400,000 people every year in the U.S. 400,000 every year. So it's roughly equivalent to the number of deaths that we had the past two years, a little more. And this article goes on to say an unvaccinated adult is 68 times more likely to die from COVID than somebody who is vaccinated and boosted. But it made me think differently about the disease, that if you do get the vaccine and you got the booster, you know, is it going to be easier getting back to normal? Yeah. But this notion of comparing it with something like smoking and people decide, hey, look, I know the risks. I know there's a good chance I'm going to get lung cancer, heart disease, but I'm going to continue to smoke. I know the risks. I'm going to smoke. It gives me enjoyment. It gives me pleasure. It lowers stress, whatever. And as an ex-smoker, I can say that, yeah, I I miss it almost every day. (laughs) But I just was not willing. I want to live a long life. I want to see my grandkids grow up. I was not willing to take that risk. Of, of contracting lung cancer when I'm 58 or 62. No, thank you. So like many people, I wean myself off, off cigarettes. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting comparing it to me with smoking and COVID. That, yeah, you can choose not to get vaccinated. That's your right. A lot of people have. But it's a little like smoking. It may come back to bite you. We don't know. But it... And, and like smoking, now it's like you can't say you didn't know. There are right. huge warnings on, on the – I just saw when I was at the airport, the duty-free shop. I mean, the warnings that they have on these cigarettes, it's like a skull and crossbones. Yeah, it's You know, bad. this can kill your unborn baby. You will get cancer. Like, they're big, huge warnings. You almost feel bad about – I guess that's the goal, right, about picking up a, a box of this. They're so regulated, and they have to put these warnings on. So you're saying now – so you can't use the excuse that you didn't know that smoking was bad for you. So you're saying we can't use the same excuse that, oh, we didn't know that we should get vaccinated. And if you get sick, it's be- you knew the risks and you took them anyway. Yeah. Part of getting yeah. back to 2019 yeah. or the way things yeah. were, I'm not sure things will ever be the way mm-hmm. they were. I don't know either. Mm-hmm. Pre-pandemic. So much has changed. But um, the notion of living with it, and yes, it's going to be with us. And many of us will get booster shots every year. Mm-hmm. To lower the risk. But, I mean, as human beings, we live with risk. How do you manage the risk? How do you lower the risk? If you're a smoker and you want to live a long life, you quit smoking. And that was the point that these doctors were trying to make, is that um, we, we take on these risks. People continue to smoke, even though they know 
that the odds of them dying younger is greater if, if they smoke, and yet they take that risk. And the same with people who refuse or can't get vaccinated. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. And that's their freedom, right? You don't have to. That's your freedom. But as long as you know the risk, like you, you have, you're free to smoke, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're of legal age, but you take the risk. Interesting. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.